to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You podcast. I'm Elisa Connor, and if you are new here, I would like to welcome you individually and say thank you so much for stopping in and listening to the podcast. If you are a longtime listener, that sounds so um, radio show, doesn't it? Longtime listener, longtime, um, never or first time caller. <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you are one of my longtime listeners, thank you. I appreciate you. And you are the reason that I put these together every week. And it has been a week um, for me. So a really great week, actually. But uh, very, very, very busy this time of year in case um, you are new to the show or maybe I haven't mentioned it before is um, a very busy time of the year for me. I have three kids that are in marching band. And um, if you don't know anything about marching band, which I did not, I was not a marching band person. Um, I played the piano. That's as close as I got. But marching band season uh, starts to kind of take off around August and it just goes all the way till November and you are on the go all the time. So between band camp and sick kids and competitions and homecoming, it has been a nut farm at my house. So I am actually grateful to be sitting down and recording this for you today. So uh, what what are we talking about? What, what's going on today? Well, we are kind of rolling into more of a um, online getting your website ready for you to generate sales. And so one of the ways that I do that with clients when I'm looking at their website and we're trying to revamp it or redesign it is to take a look at their website from the perspective of their customers. And when we do that, we have a very different viewpoint um, from what typical designers would come up with, but also um, because I bring to it the perspective of, of, of implementing a sales funnel versus just branding a website, um, you become really aware if your website is missing some components. So I'm gonna walk through some of the things that you need to look at at your current website or if you're creating your first website Um, things to be aware of before you hire a designer, um, there should definitely be some questions that you're asking um, and have them give the, I I always recommend do not hire a designer if you, if they can't send you at least a few examples um, so you can take a look at their work, but also um, be aware of, you know, when you're choosing that designer, can they answer um, specific branding questions? Because Um, When I talk about branding, a lot of people think branding is the pretty piece of of what your business looks like, the right fonts, the right colors, the right pictures. But the reality is, is good branding takes into consideration the foundation of your business. Um, You know, what are you offering? How are you offering it? Um, And I'm going to walk through some of those components. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the intro talking about those. But um, the branding components is what will determine whether or not you actually generate revenue from your website. And it can be really difficult to know how to do that when you're running a business because likely your business is not creating a website. It's doing something else. 
So if that is the case, um, I'm, I'm going to be giving you this list of things to be looking at, and I'm actually in the process of creating a checklist for you. So when this goes live, you will, you will have a checklist. And you can go and grab that at elisaconnor.com forward slash five six download. And this is episode 56, so there's the five six for you. But elisaconnor.com forward slash 56 download, all one word. There's a checklist over there so that when you get ready to do your website or redo your website, you have a checklist that you can walk through with your designer um, or your design team or however you decide to manage that. So um, let's get going on, on that list. But before we do that, just take a minute and hear this word from our sponsor. One of the biggest frustrations I hear from business owners on a regular basis is, I need more clients. And I get it. Every business struggles with getting new clients until you know how to do it. The problem is, is you spend your time networking and going to events and making phone calls that don't go anywhere. You're out trying to attract people to you when there is a much easier way. Growing your email list is so important because it fills your list with potential clients who actually want to hear from you and it gives you the ability to reach out to them on a regular basis and share what you have to offer. To grow your email list, you've got to have a great free download. Sign up for our free newsletter isn't working anymore. You've got to create a download that piques their interest, gets them to take action, and adds them to your list. Sounds easy, right? Of course it's not easy. That's exactly why I created my new free training to help you create an awesome free download. You can sign up at elisaconnor.com forward slash create my freebie. This live training is gonna present the five easy steps that I've used with my clients to help them go from hot mess marketing to growing an email list that they consistently get sales from. So you don't wanna miss this training. Head on over to elisaconnor.com forward slash create my freebie and sign up today. I'll see you inside. So let's dive into creating a profitable website. And that really is the intention of this episode is to help you look at things on your website as you're, you know, as you have it now, or as you're creating a website, or if you're thinking about redesigning your website, um, here's some things to take a look at. And the first is um, you may hear the term UX thrown, thrown around a lot. And that's a very big technology term. And sometimes you're like, oh, I don't really know what these terms are, but I don't want to ask. And so I wanted to go ahead and simplify that for you. So UX stands for user experience. And it's a web design term that um, really takes into account what your website experience is for your customers and for the people that you want to become customers. And so if you have a really poor user experience, meaning it's not easy for your uh, prospects to know what you do, how you do it, uh, how to get around your website, things like that, or um, it's just your website is not easy to maneuver, there's too much going on, there's a whole list of things that could be wrong with your website um, that would make it very hard for you to create conversion, which is to get new customers, um, if, if you have one of those things going on. So some that I'm not really going to go into um, in depth, but that I want to mention are um, 
one is you know these are oh i actually do talk about that so i'm going to talk about that in a minute i have my notes so sometimes i forget what i'm going to talk about because i outline it all out and then i i forget that i put that at the at the um at the towards the end of the episode i was like going to say at the bottom of the page but it's not the bottom of the page it's just my page um so when you're looking at user experience the first thing that you want to probably look at that um we don't necessarily think about from the user perspective is you want to look at your navigation and a lot of times oh my gosh i don't know how many times how many times you go to a website and you look at their menus and they're like seven layers deep and you're like i there's so much happening here i don't know where to go and i highly recommend both to clients and to people that i um, work with as you know, just as a coach or training or um, however, however people decide to work with me in whatever capacity, I recommend, um, the first thing I always recommend about a website is we need to simplify your menu as much as possible. And there's multiple reasons for this. And one of them I'm gonna get into in a minute when we talk about responsiveness, but most website visitors come from a mobile device and typically it's a phone. And so if you're looking at a menu option that has, you know, um, when I say seven layers deep, I'm saying they have a top menu and then it, it has like a little down arrow that pulls up another menu and then that menu opens it to another menu. You can see, you can just imagine in your mind what that would look like on a phone. And if, when you have two or three menu options even on a mobile device, you can't see them all on one screen. In all honesty, I really think you only need one or two options at the top of your menu button or the top of your menu um, as menu items because everything else is really just distracting the people that are coming to your website from doing what you want them to do, which is really, it should be one of two things. It should be getting them added to your email list in one way or another, which I'm not going to go into right now, but um, multiple episodes of this podcast go into how to do that. Um, and the other is to just work with you, to start purchasing from you or work with you in some capacity. And um, I, I don't know specifically for your business type what that looks like. If you have an online store, you would probably wanna have a menu item that says store. If you have, um, if you schedule free consultations like a lot of people do, um, you may have a scheduling link. If you have um, clients that come into your office for services, like I'll use the example of either chiropractic or massage or something like that, you may just want to have a scheduler there that allows them to book and set that up for initial appointments. If you have current clients, you would put them in a different location because you're really trying to drive new traffic from your website with that initial menu bar. So when you're looking at that, make it easy and simple and very straightforward for anyone visiting to know what to do. Everything else can just go in a different location, typically at the bottom of the page, or you can link to it within the page, but most what mostly what people need to do is one of those two things. They need to get to know you better by getting added to your email list in one capacity or another, or they need to move forward and want to work with you and have a way to do that. So that's what I recommend. Um, another, thing to think about when you're creating that menu and this is all going to be dependent on who your ideal target market is so if you have a target market of people that are say between 35 and 50 you probably need to make your font a little bigger because those are people that are struggling with um 
aging eyes. I'll put it that way. They're, they're struggling with aging eyes. And so sometimes those smaller fonts are not easy to read without reading glasses. And frankly, um, a lot of us that are in that age realm don't want to wear our reading glasses because one, we're in denial and two, we always lose them. So keep in mind, you know, what does that font size look like? And if you're making it a certain size, um, make sure that that size corresponds to your mobile devices. So if you make it bigger on desktop, check it out on a phone and a tablet because it may be too big for those. And I'll go into that a little bit more when we talk about responsive design. But so number one is your navigation. Simple as more, make it easy to locate and tell them what you want them to do. Number two is to look at what your call to action is. Now, I have worked with um, more, and I have also been guilty of this, but more than one business owner who either doesn't have a call to action and they are in the majority because 70% of small business owners do not have any call to action on their business, which essentially is telling your clients um, by psychic message, please come and work with me because they don't know because you haven't told them. And when you are creating a sales funnel, that is one of the key components that needs to be included. You need to tell people what you want them to do because they're not psychic. They don't know what you want. And if you never ask them to take the next step, they just won't. So um, they either don't have that call to action or if they do, it's hidden. Um, it is hard to find or people don't know or understand what you're wanting them to do. So I, I bet you can um, guess <laughs> what some of the tips are for adding that call to action. Um, you want to, of course, be very, very clear, make it very simple for them to understand um, how to sign up. But more importantly, make it very simple for them to understand what they're going to get and how it's going to add value to their life. Sign up for my newsletter is not telling anyone what the value is in it for them. To me, that screams, hey, sign up for my newsletter so I can spam you. Um, and I would never sign up for that. It's just, there's no value in it versus there's much better ways to drive that value um, by giving them an option to download some additional information to like I'm doing for this episode, grab a free checklist, um, have a simple conversation, you know, whatever that might be. There's a, there's a bunch of different ways to initiate that. And then um, again, you want to be able to tell them exactly what to do. So I see so many buttons that are like, let's get started. That doesn't tell me anything. Like, I don't know what it looks like to get started. Whereas if you say schedule, a schedule, just schedule, they're gonna click on that and realize that they can schedule an appointment with you or download. They know that they're going to download. So don't try to be tricky. Don't try to be clever because it doesn't work. It doesn't sell. It doesn't help people to understand what you want. And the more you confuse them, the less time they're going to spend on your website and the more likely they're going to go buy from somebody else. And we don't want that. We want you to make money. So number one, uh, or the, the tip number two is for you to add a call to action. Um, and I always recommend that you add one and test it and test it and test it again. And um, you can always tweak it and you can always modify it and you can always just completely change it out. But this is definitely not a one and done game. It is something that you need to try and test and see what resonates with your audience. So number two, add a call to action. Number three 
is um, to have a landing page for for um, your customers to opt in. So I did a whole episode, episode 51, all about landing pages versus opt-in forms. That's a great episode if you want a little bit more background. But I highly recommend when you're creating a landing page, and a landing page is somewhere that somebody would go to gather um, additional resources from you for free, and in exchange, give you their name and email address. And so a lot of times you'll use a landing page for a specific um, event or specific giveaway or um, a specific download, and you won't just want to have those on your website in in random places. So, for example, if you are a, a guest host or a guest um, interview on a podcast, you may have a free download that you want to offer to that audience, but you also want to track how many people come from that audience so that you know whether or not it was a worthwhile adventure, and you want to continue um, to be on that show and provide value in the future. Or um, for example, if you're doing a speaking event, you may have a free download that you're going to give away. Well, you may want to track that by event to see which ones are more profitable and which ones are have a higher conversion. So that if it's not really working well, then you don't invest your time, energy and money to go to that event again to speak. So that would be a landing page. You would set up a landing page for each of those um, different options. So that one is so that you can track it, but two, so that you can create a distraction-free environment. And I go into that pretty in depth in episode 51. So if you want to go check that out, alisaconnor.com forward slash five one, that episode goes into a lot of detail, but uh, just a couple little things to think about. You want to have one call to action, not a bunch, not do this, do that. Don't, you know, it's sign up or download or whatever. And then you don't have your social media links. You don't have email me. You don't have a phone number. You don't have other menu items. Their sole goal of landing on that page is to sign up for your email list and get that free item that you have offered them. Um, you want to have limited uh, limited text. You don't want to have a novel on there. You just want to say, hey, this is what you're going to get. This is how you get it. And then once they have opted in, you have the option on the thank you page to direct them to further resources or connect with you on social media or to reach out and schedule a call. But that landing page is for the specific reason of getting them on your email list to download whatever free resource you've promised them. And so when you have a distraction free environment, there's nothing but there's nothing left for them to choose. They can either choose to yes, be on the list or click close and get, you know, go somewhere else. But it gives you a very clear indicator of whether or not they're really and truly interested in moving forward and getting to know you a little better. So um, definitely look at landing pages as an option on your website um, as a place for you to move people into further into your sales funnel. Number three is your copy. Now this I would say is probably the most important part of any website. And oftentimes, more often than not, I will go to a website and there is way too much coffee, coffee, too much copy. There's never too much coffee, Um, way too much copy, meaning there is no white space. Well, When you have white space on a page, and this is a design tip, when you have white space, it gives your eyes 
a place to rest. So when you don't have enough white space, it becomes overstimulating to the eyes, which then translate to over, translates to overstimulation of your brain. And when your brain gets overstimulated, it's it goes into flight or fight mode. Um, and so it's, you know, if you have all of that copy on there and people do not aren't specifically going there to read that copy, so like say a blog post or some in-depth article, um, they just won't, they'll just leave. And you, that's the last thing you want. You did a lot of work to get them to your website to begin with. So we wanna keep them there as long as possible. So take full advantage of white space. And when you're thinking about white space and you're thinking about the copy you're putting on there, you wanna somehow create differentiation between key points. And great ways to do that, a great way to do that is by adding different size headers um, into your copy. So when you are creating a blog post or you're creating any kind of content on your website, you should have the option to choose um, headers H1 through H5. They are all different sizes or sometimes they have different top um, font styles and you can even change the color. And the reason you wanna do that is because people will not necessarily, in most cases, read every word on your on your um, website or your webpage um, or your blog post for that matter. They are skimming and they will stop and backtrack to the areas of interest. So the easier you make it for them to skim and get to where they want to get to, the more likely they're going to actually read and stop and focus on the areas of interest to them. So make sure that you're using um, those text and headings and then an added benefit to using um, your headings in any of your copy is that Google loves those headings for search recognition. So um, they search those headings out and you actually get a higher SEO score from them when you utilize headings in your copy. So think about those headings and um, make sure that when you are creating your copy that you're leaving lots of white space as well. And those headings also can help you delineate extra white space in there because they're taking up a lot of space because they're bigger. Um, And then tip number three under copy is that you wanna use a consistent voice, meaning if you're gonna use uh, kind of a, this goes personality, but also tense, you don't want to address people, you know, in individually or you know as a collective and then all of a sudden switch to I. So use the same consistent voice throughout all of your copy, but also um, use consistent personality. Like don't go from, and this is sometimes a thing that um, really professional, people that have been in a professional corporate environment or a professional um, medical environment or a legal environment or something like that, um, sometimes struggle with because they go into professional mode and then they try to be like clever and cute and you know show a little bit of their personality, but then they go back into professional mode and nobody really knows what to expect from them. And it looks, it comes across really weird. So I'm going to recommend that you don't do that. Choose how you wanna show up for your audience um, always take into consideration how they would like to receive information from you when you're choosing that option and then stick with that consistently. Because if you don't, people are going to be like, okay, are they professional or are they wackadoo? Um, and it's okay to have a little bit of personality in there, but just don't flip flop too much between 
voices because it's it, it'll just read really strange and then you lose a lot of um, authority because people don't really know who you are because you are coming across as you don't know who you are. So that is tip number three under your copy. And then number four is always try to start a conversation. And you can often do um, conversation starters by putting yourself in their shoes and asking different questions and sharing um, different stories of, you know, how you relate to um, what they're going through and what you did to overcome that and how you've helped other people do the same thing. And we'll go into, I have um, eight, eight different questions that you need to ask yourself when you're going through your website. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more, but just be aware of always trying to create a conversation, even if it's a conversation that starts in their mind. And then the answer comes from them continuing to get to know you and eventually working with you. So you want to peak those, you want to weave those conversation tactics into your copy. And I promised you we're going to get to responsiveness. So when you're looking at your website, you may be going, what is, some of you may be very well of what what a responsive website looks like, but some of you may be like, I don't know what that means. Um, So I wanted to take it back to the beginning. So a responsive website um, basically means that your website will respond automatically to whatever device pulls it up. So if you have a website that's designed on desktop, but then somebody comes and pulls it up on a mobile phone, it looks different. Um, be, or, you know, it looks similar is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't look like you, you know, when you pull up a website on a phone and it stretches across the whole phone and you can't see anything, that website is not responsive. And there are several reasons you want to have a res- responsive website. One, it makes your user experience so much better. It, the their most recent stats i think were 89% i'm i'm pulling this from far back memory but around 89% of people if the website is not responsive they automatically click away so this is really really important if you don't have a responsive website at this point um please whatever you do hire somebody to fix it for you or you know create a new website for you because not only are you turning away traffic to your website because it's not responsive, um, but you're also being penalized by Google. Google will now penalize websites who do not um, implement responsive design. And this has been going, I think it's about two years now, maybe three that they started penalizing people. But sometimes you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Um, So make sure that your website will respond to whatever device is on there and any web designer that is up on current technology can do this for you. And then another um, component of that that is kind of, it doesn't really go with responsiveness, but it's also very important, is you need to ensure that there is an SSL, which is a secure socket layer license installed on your website. And what that does is it puts a little green lock up by your domain name. And why that's important is because it's saying I am securing any information that you share with me on my website to um, keep it away from people that shouldn't have it. So if you're collecting email addresses or you're collecting names, or even if you're following people with um, Facebook ad retargeting, you need to have that on your website. Because if you don't, one, Google's penalizing you if you don't have it. But two, um, you're going to cause some hesitancy with people that are coming to visit because they don't um 
they don't trust that you know what you're doing with your website and that their information is going to be secure. So any kind of contact forms, any kind of um, free downloads you're giving away, all of that requires that you have that SSL. It is literally a two minute fix. If you, um, depending on your hosting, like where your website lives, a lot of times it will be like with SiteGround who I use, you can get the link on my website under resources. Um, they offer a free SSL for, you know, with your hosting, but I know GoDaddy offers SSLs. There is an extra cost for those, but it is available pretty much on every um, hosting company out there because it's required. So just make sure that that's been implemented. If your website's a little older, hire a designer and have them fix it for you within two minutes. Um, it really is an easy, easy fix and it shouldn't, it should take them less than 10 minutes and there should not be a huge charge for it. So just a heads up, get your SSL and make sure your design is responsive. Number five, tip number five I have for you is, um, to make sure that you are utilizing SEO. So if you aren't familiar with SEO, SEO stands for search engine optimization. And what that means is that you're making it very easy for Google and other search engines to come and search your site. Now, something that people don't typically know when I speak to them about this, um, is that Google does not just come to your site randomly. Google will come to your site when you add new content. So that's why when you're creating a new website or you're um, doing a website redesign, it's really important that you have put some thought behind that because that is your highest propensity to get more traffic organically, which means free from Google. And until you add new content, think blog or somehow creating content on your website, whatever that looks like. Typically it's gotta be a blog or show notes or something. Um, Google doesn't come back. And so if you're not adding new content, your organic reach is slim to none. So why is SEO important? Well, because if you have people searching for what you do and you don't have those search terms on your website, they're never going to find you. And so the most important thing I can tell you about SEO and search engine, you know, search engines is that think about which terms your ideal client will type into Google when they are trying to find what you do. And sometimes it's hard for us to take our blinders off and take a look at that and go, oh, well, what does that mean? I don't know what they search for. Well, if you don't know what they search for, you may need to go and do a little bit of research with your ideal clients. And um, there's a whole process for that, but you wanna look at your competitors, you wanna look at your um, current clients, and you wanna look at potential clients. So I did a whole episode on SEO at the very, very beginning of this podcast. I believe it was episode five. And um, you can, uh, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. I can't remember. I think it was like episode four or five of the podcast. So I will stick that in the show notes, but you should be able to find that at elisaconnor.com forward slash podcast or elisaconnor.com. Um, yeah, just go to podcast and then I'll have it in the show notes. So episode, and this will be on, uh, elisaconnor.com forward slash 56. So just head over there. I'll put the link in the show notes, but I did a whole guest interview on SEO and um, Mike gave us the whole inside scoop about how to get started and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to know more about SEO, 
go check that episode out. Um, but things you want to look for um, when you're when you're building SEO is you know you definitely want to put it in your content. You want to have those search terms in your content, but you also need to have some sort of strategy around it. And if you are not an SEO expert, I highly recommend that you know as you get going and you've got a little bit more money coming into your business to spend on marketing, that you hire an expert to help you in that arena. And um, you know, also make sure that you've taken care of the other uh, issues that I referenced under responsiveness, like security and um, your responsive design, because those are all SEO indicators for how well you're going to show up in um, any kind of search console. So number six is um, you need to have some kind of strategy behind your website. A lot of people just put up a website and they're like, oh, I'm so great. And this is what I do. And I love it. And you should love me too. And guess what? People don't because they're really only coming to you for one thing and that's to solve their problem. And they want it solved quickly. And so if they have to dig through a bunch of hype about you and yourself and um, you aren't really getting to the meat of their problem, they're just going to go find somebody else who does. So having a strategy behind your website versus just, ooh, it's pretty and I have pretty pictures and um, and it's, you know, it's, it's the right colors and I just really like that it looks like this. Well, that's great, but nobody's coming to you for that. They're coming to you because they think you can solve their problem and they want to find out how quickly you can do that. And so without a strategy, you can easily go and look at a website and go, oh, well, that's great. But, you know, here's a restaurant that has plenty of pictures of food and no menu. And I don't know where they are. And there's no hours that they're open. Um, and there's no pricing. So I don't even know. I don't even know if I can afford it. And I don't know if they're close by. So, you know, you can have all the pretty pictures in the world of your food. But if you're not giving people the actual information they need, they're not going to stick around and you're, you're going to find your business suffers. So having a strategy behind creating that website is really, really important. Um, and that, that takes looking at some of the questions that we're going to run through here um, with the eight questions you need to ask yourself. And uh, these will also be available in the guide, the checklist that I'm creating for you guys. Um, and that, that can be found at alisaconnor.com forward slash 56. Oh, 56 download. I cannot say 56 download today. Um, but you will, you'll find the, that list of questions, which we're going to hop to in just a minute. But um, under strategy, I just wanted to mention that um, you want to be sure when you're creating anything on your website that you're always adding value of some kind to your ideal client or your ideal visitor in this case. And the other component that always gets overlooked when I'm looking at people and we're designing a strategy for their website and for their online marketing in general is that um, they don't put an evaluation phase in there. And so, you know, they launch this website and then they just ignore it for like three years. And they're like, oh, that website's useless. Well, a good website becomes your 24 hour a day, seven days a week marketing department. And that's how it should be. Websites are not inexpensive. Good websites cost a lot of money. And if they aren't working for you, you have just either wasted that investment or it's not been done right. And so take a minute and figure out how you're going to evaluate what is and is not working 
and that should also be a part of your strategy. And if you have a good strategy, um, that will be built in. It is always built in when I work with people. And so um, a good strategist will make sure that there's some sort of measurement in place so that you know what is and is not working. So let's run through those eight questions. And these are questions that you can ask yourself, that you can ask your design team or both. Um, and these will also be in that checklist. So number one is, what is it you're selling? And a lot of people don't know how to answer this succinctly. Um, and they don't know how to give a definitive answer on um, what that product or service is. And it can't just be a bunch of pretty words that make you feel good stacked together. That is not an offering. People want to know specifically what they're getting and um, definitely how much that's going to cost. I always leave it up to people um, to determine whether or not they want to put pricing on their website. And I also think it depends on your product or service offering. Like in my business, I don't have pricing on my website and I specifically don't have pricing on my website is because most of the time I'm creating a custom pack package for people depending on what they need to have done. There's a lot of different components in consulting that you know they may have some things that they've done, they may not have anything done um, and they may need to phase it into, you know, phase into um, different components of the package. So depending on the complexity of what you offer, you may or may not want to put pricing on your website. However, um, one caution I will give you is if you do put pricing on your website, be very, very sure that you have access to change that at any time. And the reason I say that is that you may change your prices and then forget that your pricing is one thing on the website and then it doesn't get changed. And then you've got to hold, you've, I mean, I, Ethically, you need to um, uphold the pricing that they've seen on the website, and that could get you into trouble. So um, just be very cognizant about what you're putting on there. And if you are putting pricing, you know, are you spelling out deliverables and all that kind of stuff? So think about that. But that was a tangent. <laughs> Go back to our questions. Number one, again, was to determine what you're selling. And is it visibly... Um, obvious to your audience what you're selling. Number two, why do they care what you're selling? I mean, really spell it out for them. This might seem so obvious to you. Like, what do you mean? Why do they care? Because they have, they need a website. Well, no, they don't. What they need is a 24 hour, seven day a week marketing department. But you have to explain that to them and you have to connect, connect those dots. So, um, you know, why, why do they care what you're selling and make it really, really clear for them to understand. Question number three is why are you different? Why, are, why should they choose you over anyone else out there? And what makes you different and what makes your clients love working with you? Um, so figure out the, the answer to question number three, and that's very, very important. And that becomes your um, USP, which is unique selling proposition in the world of marketing. And that basically differentiates you from everybody else out there. So really, really important part of not only your branding, but of your marketing. Number four, um, they may be asking, can I trust you? And so how do you overcome that objection before they have it? Um, simply and easily, you wanna offer testimonials, you wanna offer case studies, you wanna um, share what you've done for other people. And usually that comes through some type of results. And Number five, question number five is, how do I work with you? And 
this is goes back to the call to action. Like if you don't have a call to action telling them, sign up now for us for an appointment or um, buy now or whatever your call to action might be, but you have to tell them what to do. You have to tell them how to work with you. Otherwise they just won't. They'll never get to that point. They'll just wander around for a few minutes and then they'll go somewhere else. And we don't want that. So question number six is, how do I get started to work with you? And if you can create a really simple plan for people to work with you, um, you know, one to five steps max, people will go, oh, I get it. This is so easy. And the easier you make it, the quicker they're going to convert into a customer. And then um, the another question they may be asking themselves is, you know, can I find everything on this website quickly and easily that I need to find? And this goes... Um, to also in alignment with people that are already customers. So for example, if you have a program that's maybe um, has people log into a membership area or a um, forum area where they can go and, you know, chit chat with each other and you make it really difficult for them to find the login area or make it really difficult for them to know what to do to log in. Um, especially if they pay, they're paying you on a monthly basis, they just won't be there very long. It's just too complicated. So make it really easy for them to understand where to go and make it really clear where to log in. There's a, um, a website that's coming to mind off the top of my head that um, is part of a, oh, I, don't, I guess it's a, it's not, it's kind of a membership that I belong to. And every time I go to that site, I'm like, I never like it takes me two or three times to find the login area. And every time I think it's going to be in the obvious place, that sends me to their sales page. And it's just really poorly um, delineated as far as where current customers go. Like I almost wish they had a separate button. So just kind of think about that when you're designing your website or having your website designed is make it really easy for potential, but also current customers to find out um, what they need to find out when they're working with you or going to work with you. And let's see, uh, the last one is how will your product or service transform their life in some way? And transformation sometimes sounds like a very big word. Oh, I don't know about that. But um, really, they're looking for some kind of transformation. So let's just take the, the restaurant example. Um, you're basically saying, I am hungry. I want you to transform my hunger into satisfaction because you have food for me. So that can easily be the transformation. But if you don't spell out like how good their experience is going to be with your food and why they should come there. And it could be like, we have all your food out in 10 minutes, or we have the best food um, within five miles. We'll have you in and out the door in 60 minutes or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, touch on that transformation. Like you're hungry now, we'll have um, pizza delivered to your door in 20 minutes or, you know, I, you know, whatever you might do. But um, just think about what that transformation is and then spell it out. Very, very important because I think a lot of times we walk through and go, oh, it's so obvious. But in reality, when we have people visiting our website, um, especially if they don't know us and they don't know a lot about us and they don't really understand what we do, what we think is obvious is a mystery to them. And they just won't spend the brain power um, trying to figure out what it is that we do and how we're going to help them. So make it really, really easy. So again, I've created a checklist of these eight questions. You can go and find that at alisaconnor.com forward slash 56 download. And in the meantime, uh, that wraps up this episode. So 
Um, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you over on the Facebook group. The link to get to that page is also on the show notes. And next week we are talking about the power of connecting your intention with actions. So it's going to be a really great episode. I hope you'll tune in until then have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Take care. Just a reminder, don't forget to sign up for my free training to create your irresistible download. Everybody wants a great free download. Why shouldn't you have one too? Grow and build your email list so you can get more clients by joining me on my free training at alisaconnor.com forward slash create my freebie. I'll see you soon.